It's 6 Eastern, 3 o'clock Pacific, coast to coast and around the world. I'm not a doctor, but I have a PhD in recognizing bullshit when I hear it. From the America Out Loud Talk Radio Studios. The American people are not feeling very loved right now, though. They're not they're not feeling heard by the Biden administration. It's time for The Truth Be Told with Booker Scott. Well, we finally made it into the weekend. My favorite day of the week is Friday. I love it. I know you do, too. Uh, welcome to the weekend. I'm Booker Scott. Thanks a lot for joining us. This hour is brought to you by Gold Co. Just go to BookerLikesGold.com and see if it's for you. If you're thinking about diversifying your savings, you've worked hard for it, you want to keep it safe, go to BookerLikesGold.com and just see if it's for you. Joe Biden made his second trip in his three-plus years as president to the border on Thursday afternoon. He was also joined by Donald Trump, although they were 395 miles apart. They both made that trip to the, the border, and it needed to be done. Attention needs to be brought to the human crisis, because that's what it is. I've talked about it over and over. It, it almost gets to the point where I get tired of talking about it, but the problem continues. Uh, with the fentanyl overdoses, the cartels getting rich, and most importantly now, we are seeing the crime increases in cities around America. Last weekend, it was Lake and Riley that was murdered, the 22-year-old nursing student from the University of Georgia. Her skull was disfigured by a Venezuelan immigrant. His brother was also previously arrested and then he was released, but then he was swept up in the investigation of Riley. Of course, Ibera, the Venezuelan immigrant that murdered Lakin Riley, he had been arrested in New York to be released and then murdered Lakin Riley last Thursday. We remember that. It's not going away. There's more of it happening. We saw a two-year-old that was murdered, was shot by another illegal immigrant. That happened on February 8th, but that information didn't come out until last weekend, and we're just learning about it. So there was another one. There was another situation in Louisiana I'm going to get into in a few minutes. So why is all this happening? Why have 10 million illegal immigrants come across the southern border in just three years? Just to compare and contrast the difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Let's look at the last 24 months of Donald Trump's presidency. He had 1.3 million immigrants that were encountered by the Border Patrol. In the first 26 months of Joe Biden, it was 5.7 million. And those 10 million people, they represent about 160 plus countries. They're coming from all over, and we don't know who any of them are. We have, uh, it's unbelievable to me that there are mayors in this country that are asking citizens to open up their doors and allow illegal immigrants to live with them. We have places like Chicago and New York that are offering $10,000 debit cards while these people are staying in $300 to $400 hotel rooms. We've seen that schools have been let out. They've been shut down so that immigrants can live in them. This is what's happening in Joe Biden's America with his immigration policy. So what is that policy? It's the exact opposite of what Donald Trump did. And you know what? They're really proud of it. I've done a show on this before. There were so many things that Joe Biden did. There were five executive orders that he signed on his first day as president on January 21st, 2021. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, he is in the middle of an impeachment 
Of course, that is going to be swept under the rug in the Senate by both Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer. You're not going to hear a whole lot about that. He is not going to be removed, but he's really proud of what Biden did by reversing all of Donald Trump's policies. Here he is in an interview on MSNBC from 2021. Don't take it from me. Take it from them. They're really proud of their policies, the exact opposite policies that Donald Trump had. Here's Alejandro Mayorkas. Uh, So we have rescinded so many uh, Trump immigration policies, it would take so much time to list them. You can even hear how proud Mayorkas is that they reversed all of those policies. And now we see that the Democrats are trying to blame Republicans for this mess. Ten million have entered the country, and one of them happened to be in Louisiana. And this happened recently. Uh, This was February 28th, 2024, and this comes from ABC 15 News in Louisiana. Louisiana police arrest illegal immigrant on armed robbery and juvenile rape charges. This happened in Kenner, Louisiana. Police in Kenner took a 19-year-old Honduran illegal immigrant into custody Tuesday after he allegedly raped a minor. Angel Mateus Castellinas was arrested on charges of armed robbery, aggravated battery, first-degree rape, and aggravated assault. He was a suspect in the rape and assault of a 14-year-old girl that occurred last week, and that's according to Kenner detectives. This isn't going to get any better until the border is secure, until we stop illegal immigration. And you think it's not going to happen to me. It couldn't happen to me. Well, Lake and Riley's family probably thought that as well just a couple of weeks ago. And there's a developing story also. All of these people coming across the border, we don't know who they are. Crime is one problem, but there's also health. Uh, Biden CDC, it's alleged now, is suppressing data that is showing alarming surge in measles, polio, TB cases that are slamming emergency rooms across the country. And it's linked to Biden's migrant crisis, the human crisis at the border. And listen to this, leprosy cases are also on the rise. It's, it's not just the things that we are providing for these illegal immigrants, but it's also the crime and then the health. This is crazy and it really needs to be stopped. And you've probably heard of the problems that Mayor Adams has in New York City. Well, Governor Hochul, she has a solution for it. Unbelievably, they're going to hire illegal immigrants in state government. Here's that story. Can you send some of the migrants up here? We need them. I hear this in every corner of the state. Governor Kathy Hochul's administration recently agreed to a proposal that could make it easier for migrants to get temporary jobs in state government. Approved earlier this month, the Civil Service Commission is working with agencies to implement the changes, which include dropping typical application requirements like proof of a high school diploma or proficiency in English. I have 10,000 openings in the New York State workforce from our operations to SUNY. I have 10,000 openings. So this is to give options for people, but to say we are working intensely to get work authorization applications. These are all legal people. The goal is to make it faster for migrants to get jobs once they get legal work authorization. 
Hochul is eyeing around 4,000 entry-level positions that are currently unfilled within state agencies. Those include clerical or administrative roles, technical support, equipment service and repair jobs, as well as those positions in food services. As long as they continue to give incentives to illegal immigrants, they are not going to stop. Stop the money and they'll stop. But until then, they're going to keep on coming. And I will get to the new word that we're supposed to call these illegal immigrants in a few minutes because that came out ahead of Joe Biden's trip to the border. That's where this conversation started. I'll get to that. But here's more of that story in the crazy state of New York. Those jobs won't be limited to just migrants, and officials are billing it as a win-win, according to an internal memo obtained by New York One. I'm anxious to get this moving quickly, and once they're approved, we can match people to jobs. Uh, They don't need to be reliant on services any longer, which I think is the objective, to not have people supported by taxpayers in our shelters. It's part of an ongoing effort to inject new blood into a shrinking state workforce. And, of course, part of the reason why the state of New York has a shrinking workforce is because they're all moving out. That's what's happening in New York. It's an exodus in the state of New York. They're heading to Florida. They're heading to Texas. They don't want to live there anymore. So here come the illegal immigrants. Now, let's get to what Joe Biden says we are supposed to call the illegal immigrants. Here is a letter that the White House posted just before Joe Biden visited Brownsville, Texas, on Thursday. And it says, Today, President Joe Biden is traveling to Brownsville, and again, this was just before his visit on Thursday, to meet with U.S. Border Patrol agents, law enforcement, frontline personnel, and local leaders to discuss the urgent need to pass the Senate Bipartisan Border Security Agreement. President Biden has repeatedly said he is willing to work in a bipartisan way to secure the border and fix our broken immigration system. This would be the system. that This is no longer the letter. This is me. This is the system that he broke. Now he wants to fix it. He, he has a way of doing that. He, fi- he breaks the economy, and then he claims he fixes it. He's doing this again with the border. He breaks it. He reverses Trump's policies, and now he wants to fix it. And what does he mean by fix it in a bipartisan way? Well, we remember the border bill a few weeks ago. All it was doing was legalizing illegal immigration, allowing 5,000 people a day in the country. I think the, the, it was 8,500. At 8,500, the border had to be automatically shut down. Well, if you can automatically shut it down at 85, can't you automatically shut it down at zero? What's stopping them? Why won't they? They could fix it if they wanted to, but they don't want to without getting something for it. And, of course, the Republicans have no leverage to stop any of this. They're backed into a corner because they give up their leverage with no government shutdown. At the president's request, the agreement included over $20 billion for border security, which I would point out that there is no reason for more resources. There is a need for the messaging to be changed, for the money to dry up. Uh, Don't forget, the United Nations has $1.6 billion in their budget for this year for illegal immigration that created a trail from South America all the way to Eagle Pass and Shelby Park in Texas that NGOs along the way are passing out all of that money, cold hard cash, 
debit cards, food, clothing, transportation to the city of wherever it is you want to go. That is your tax money that was given to the United Nations that is bringing these people straight to Texas. But Joe Biden's going to fix it. You have any faith in that? Because because I, I certainly don't. Now let's get to this word that we're supposed to be calling them. The White House and Joe Biden would prefer that we call them newcomers. That's what they said. They said they would prefer that we call them newcomers as opposed to illegal immigrants or migrants. No longer can we, can we call them that. They are newcomers to America. Open your doors. Welcome them in. That's what they're asking us to do. They're asking us to legalize illegal immigration. And that's what this border bill is all about. Don't let them fool you. I failed to mention at the beginning of the hour that coming up is a conversation with Dr. Sheldon Roth. And he is an incredible psychoanalyst with an incredible career. He is someone that taught psychotherapy at Harvard Medical School. And we'll have him in here in a few minutes. Did you happen to see the mayor of Athens, Georgia? He was holding a press conference talking about the murder of Lincoln Riley. Uh, let me play this for you. city doesn't track with either of those. And so that term means different things to different people depending on the context of the discussion. Uh, we know what many, it means. Many of the elements. Many of the elements. We're here to listen. The mayor here claims that Athens, Georgia is not a sanctuary city. The people of the city, the, the residents there, they claim that he is a liar. Liar. We're here to listen. Liar. There'll be time for liar. questions. You're all guilty and got blood on your head for this murder, sir. And you hear the frustration of the people in Athens, Georgia. That frustration is growing around the country as people are starting to wake up at what is happening and what Joe Biden did when he took office. There is a huge difference, and Americans can see it. Americans are feeling it in every way. The decisions of the Biden administration have created the highest inflation that we've lived through in 40 years. The highest gas prices in the history of America. We're less safe. We have crime in our streets. We have criminals that are being released out of jails and prisons. They wanted to defund the police, and they did. And you see where we are. This is Joe Biden's America. Make no mistake about it. Many of the aspects that are ascribed to sanctuary cities. We know what sanctuary are things that are disallowed by Georgia law. And he's trying to skate around now exactly what a sanctuary city is. According to the law, Athens, Georgia is not a sanctuary city, but according to his messaging and the things that they have done as a city, they are a sanctuary city. We contribute a document every year to the Georgia Department of Audits indicating that we do not correspond to these definitions under state law. Definitions under state law. But these people are getting frustrated. Let's get, let's get it going. And no policies have been adopted Please by the mayor and commission that have created sanctuary city status in Sir, Athens. You need to resign. One protocol resign that sometimes now. arises. Resign, resign now. Resign. You will One protocol. This to happen, sir. One protocol that sometimes arises. 
So we'll keep an eye on Athens, Georgia, and we'll find out what happens. Will that mayor resign over political pressure? Will he be recalled? Who knows? But you can tell that the American people are starting to get frustrated. And one final immigrant story here. El Paso sector agents apprehend 12 migrants in one week linked to cartels and gangs in Colombia, Venezuela, and El Salvador. Criminal histories include drug trafficking, kidnapping, and murder. The removals of these people will take place following criminal prosecution for illegal entry. So we hope that they actually stay in jail and aren't released. But those are the type of people that are trying to come into this country, and so many have been successful. It's, it's a scary time. It really, really is. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to have a conversation with Dr. Sheldon Roth. He wrote the book, Psychologically Sound, The Mind of Donald J. Trump. A little bit about Dr. Sheldon Roth. He was in private practice of psychiatry and psychoanalysis in Massachusetts for over 40 years. He's a retired assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, and he was a very popular teacher and lecturer at Harvard Medical School, particularly in Therapeutic Process and Dreams. And he has published this book about Donald J. Trump's mind. Again, the name of the book is Psychologically Sound, The Mind of Donald J. Trump. That's going to be an interesting conversation coming up here in just a minute. And I want to be clear with everyone listening right now. I know I talk about a lot of scary things on this program because one way or another, whatever happens to this country, it's going to affect you or it's going to affect someone you know. So what you do about it, it's up to you. It's totally your business. But if you're the cautious kind wanting to be prepared just in case, then here's an idea for you. It might make sense to diversify your money with precious metals. And that's why I partnered with GoldCo, because I believe this could be the best way to help you. So go to BookerLikesGold.com right now, and you can get a free gold and silver kit from GoldCo. It shows you how to get into precious metals tax-free and penalty-free, even if money's still in a retirement account like an IRA or a 401k. And you may already qualify to get up to $10,000 in free silver. You've seen the writing on the wall. Go to BookerLikesGold.com to get your free gold and silver kit. Because this is about taking back control of our privacy and our freedom. I can't predict the future, but I can get prepared for it. And you should too. At the very least, be educated about your choices. Take action. Defend your freedom, your privacy, and your future. Go to BookerLikesGold.com to get your free 2024 gold and silver kit now. Dr. Sheldon Roth, he joins the conversation next right here. More truth in minutes on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar, inflammation, and weight. These are all real-world problems that 87% of Americans are struggling with. Often, there are no symptoms, but left unattended, we become inundated with one health problem after another. 
It's time to fight back with Heal Right. Heal Right is a bar that you eat, but it's food as medicine that addresses the nutritional root cause of health issues in just eight weeks. Developed by world-renowned scientists and backed by 15 years of research, Heal Right is effective, but it's also delicious and works without additional diet or lifestyle changes. Step out of the statistics and use food as medicine. Visit HealRight.com slash OutLoud or AmericaOutloud.shop and use the code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Tonight at 7 o'clock, it is Unleashed, the political news hour. That's followed by the National Security Hour at 8 o'clock. And then at 9, it's After Dark with Robin Andrew. I'm Booker Scott, and this is The Truth Be Told. I told you going into the break there that we have a special guest and a good conversation here that we want to get into. And this gentleman is Dr. Selden Roth. And Dr. Roth, welcome to the program. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Booker. And um, we want to get into this conversation about the mind of Donald Trump. You wrote the book, uh, Psychologically Sound, The Mind of Donald J. Trump. And, you know, the media and political foes, they attack Donald Trump. They say he's not fit for office. But yet you wrote the book from a psychoanalyst uh, position. And you have, what, how many years experience in this well, actually, it seems inconceivable. Um, of course, one often thinks of oneself and one's youth, but I must be at this for over 50 years or so now. I'm 85. Um, it feels like yesterday, which I suppose one could hear from many people. Um, I want to comment on one thing that just happened between us, Booker. Sure. I don't know how many of your listeners know that you often precede your broadcast with a prayer, a very fervent prayer. I've never shared that before, but I don't well, mind. Yeah, I think that is so essential, so essential, because, as you know, that's one thing that uh, Donald Trump wishes to bring back in full force in America, which is faith, religious faith. And if I may... Trump actually has what I would call Christian charisma. I've seen videos of him. I'd have to call them sermons because they were in a church in which he is so in touch with his congregation in front of him that 
he inspires that old concept of, you know, a, a witness by faith. You really have to believe that the man is devout Christian. And you know, many people talk about him as a devil, a devil incarnate. Sure, yeah. He's actually a rather devout Christian, and it was it's very much part of who he is as a person and part of his mental capacity. There are only two people in his entire life that he refers to as mentor, and one is his father, uh, Fred Trump Sr., and the other one is Norman Vincent Peale, um, who many young people these days don't know the name, but Norman Vincent Peale wrote a book that was very influential in America. You can still catch it, even in paperback uh, at airports, called The Power of Positive Thinking. He was a minister at the uh, 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 Marblehead Congregational Church in Manhattan, one of the oldest uh, in the country. Actually, it started uh, when New York was New Amsterdam under the Dutch. But that family, the Trump family, Trump Sr., attended uh, Peel's services every Sunday on Fifth Avenue. They lived in Queens. They'd come across the river. And Trump always says that Peel was the most riveting speaker he had ever experienced. He always felt, he's written, that he would leave that congregation every Sunday wishing he had three more hours just to listen to Peel. And Peel was very much a speaker like Trump. No notes, spoke just from the, from the heart and the head, and very spontaneous. And Trump has adopted that style. He kept a very close relationship with Peel, and actually Peel married uh, Trump and his first wife. Actually, Peel married uh, Trump's uh, two older sisters, uh, and if I remember correctly, I think he, he even married Richard Nixon's daughter. It was very much a Republican congregation. But when you, when you started this interchange between us with a prayer, I thought, wow, this, this is somehow on the right wavelength because that is Donald Trump. And as you know, the media will often play him up as an a-religious, yeah. unethical, corrupt individual. Well, and, but, you, and Dr. Roth, you remember when the fire, when the there, the church was burning in Washington D.C., and then the next day he went across the street to that church with a Bible in his hand, and he held it up. It happened to be upside down, and the detractors came after him at that point. Well, well, they can, but all they have to do is look to the history. Uh, and he has a very deep, long history. This is way before politics. He started attending that church, you know, you know, as a child, and then through his adult life, up until the death of Peel. Peel lived lived about ninety or so, and then he continued going to that to that same church, uh, which by the time he built uh, Trump Tower became a walk down the block. And in those days, he could <laughs> he could walk in the street, <laughs> down the block. You know, I think uh, it, I think it's funny, Doctor Roth. Sometimes that uh, people think that Christians should be perfect in in life. And as a Christian, we know that we're Christians because we are imperfect. 
And I, I, I think it's odd that uh, so many people, detractors of Donald Trump, would go after him and his Christianity and his faith. Definitely. I mean, it's the one thing I do in my book. I've written a book. I try and be free of jargon, and I present him as a human being because I, people will understand the psychological soundness of his nature if they can understand it in terms of everyday facts of living, which have to do with love and work. Those are the two big foci of of his life. And of course, all pastors would be out of business if uh, all Christians were perfect. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That, That profession in those churches would have been gone long ago. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about this book a little bit. You have never had Donald Trump on your couch, have you? No. If I had Donald Trump on my couch, I wouldn't have been able to write the book. I mean, there's an issue <laughs> yeah. of confidentiality. Sure. Actually, not having him as a patient is what freed me up. Now, the interesting thing here, Booker, is I spent my life ensconced, you know, in my clinical practice in Boston. I taught at Harvard for over 40 years. I wrote, I knew nothing about politics, nothing at all. And I retired, we moved out here uh, to, I'm in Los Angeles, because our three sons are out here and all our grandchildren are here. And this is where the love is, you know, for my wife and I. So we moved out here and then I got a call from a rather eminent person who passed away last year, may he rest in peace, who was a a forensic psychiatrist, a psychiatrist who specialized in legal issues and was actually with a psychiatrist in charge for the CIA for 20 years. He had developed the personality profiles of Saddam Hussein, Kim Jong-un's father, and actually a lot of our foreign policy in relation to Saddam Hussein was based on on Gerald Post's um, a description of Saddam Hussein. So he called me up, said he had heard about me from people in Washington. I had spent several years early in my career at the National Institute of Health. Uh, and I will say, as a proviso there, I never met Fauci. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask. As soon, <laughs> no, as, soon as, as soon as you mention NIH, that's the next question, isn't it? But believe you me, Booker, I met plenty like him. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, not that's not very comforting if there's more like no, him. But, but most people at NIH are truly wonderful, dedicated people. It's a, it's a wonderful place. Uh, but I understand who who and what Fauci was, having spent my time there. So he had heard heard from people at uh, in the Washington area that I was conservative, and he had an interesting proposition. He wanted to write a book with me. Hmm. Uh, he's, he's an ardent Democrat, a hater of Trump. And he thought that it would be very good for the nation if someone vehemently against Trump uh, and pro-Biden and someone pro-Trump would write a book together and have a conversation. That would be interesting. I, I thought it was fascinating. Although, to tell you the truth, I told him, I know nothing about Trump except I had been in, uh, I grew up in New York, first 27 years of my life and my wife's life were in New York. So I knew the name Trump, 
and I had been in Trump Tower, but I knew nothing about his doings or his politics. And at first I said, oh, it's a great idea, but I, I'm really not the kind of person you need for this. You need somebody who knows about Trump. But actually my family said to me, given your background, the urgency of this issue, the division that's growing in the nation, uh, they all felt it would be very important for me. They understood if I said no. So I called him back and I said I would do it, but he'd have to give me five, six months to read. So in that time, I read all, Trump is co-authored about, about 15 different books. Yeah, he's a salesman. Yeah. Endless articles on him, interviews. There's no end of data that one can collect. And I immersed myself completely. And actually, I felt kind of close to the guy and because he he grew up in Queens. I grew up in Brooklyn, not far from Queens. We often ventured in there. And all the buildings and things he talked about in Manhattan, I knew all those places. And the style of life, um, a kind of boisterous, noisy New Yorker, was quite familiar to me. Um, so I, I, I came to like him. And what I found was an enormous consistency. No matter where you look in that man's life, his principles and his beliefs are the same. How he goes about uh, executing them may be different, but his uh, consistency, whatever that man did in his first term of office, you can expect he will do in his second term of office. It's, it's a given. And that's part of his stability and the soundness of his mind that there's a reliability and integrity to the whole personality structure. Um, and although he's also a multifaceted individual, because he's got a lot of native artistic tendencies, which come out when he's in front of 10 or 15,000 people. What does that so mean, Dr. Roth? What does that, what does that mean? Break that down for someone like me. Okay. It, you know what it means? It means when you watch him in a one-to-one -one interview with Hannity, or as he was the other evening with Laura Ingram, you see this sober, quiet, listening individual responding to the individual questions. But you put him in front of 10 or 15,000 people, and the man is electrified. He's, he. He looks at everyone in that crowd. He, he, it's the same way he is in a church, if you've ever seen him do any kind of sermon in a church. He is in touch with every person in that crowd, and his whole body vibrates in response to them. And he reminds me very much of someone I saw as a young boy. I had the great privilege of seeing Al Jolson. In the old days when I was a child in the 1940s, the local theaters showed vaudeville. Mm -hmm. And Jolson would make the rounds. And so in my poor little neighborhood in Brooklyn, there was Al Jolson on Tuesday night, which was vaudeville night. And he would play with the house lights up, even with a little runway they put in the orchestra so that he could get down close to the people. One of Trump's executives uh, at Trump Organization, Louise Sunshine, a woman, and while I'm at it, let me mention that close to 45% of the executives in Trump's organization are women. 
who have always, always from the very start gotten the same pay as men. No one ever talks about that, about Trump, that he was uh, an equal opportunity man before there was equal opportunity for women. But Louise Sunshine, who was one of his executives, said something I think is so true of him and partially why he's an entertainer. He has 360 degree vision. When he's talking to a group, he sees what's going on in front of him, to the side of him, and even behind him. You watch him in front of these large groups of people. He will respond to a person who smiled or laughed. He'll say, oh, you like that one. What were you thinking when I said that? He'll talk to them very directly. So his whole being responds to the audience. He can feel what the audience wants and what the what the audience needs. I've In my book, I refer to him as um, a doctor as well as an entertainer in, in these large formats because he offers these people catharsis. When people watch him and listen to him, they feel like he's speaking their mind. He is, this is the entertainer aspect of him. He is so in tune with what people want to hear and it resonates with what he wants to give that there is this tremendous connection uh, between the two. He, he's never oblivious. And that's always been true from his 14 years on The Apprentice um, or even before that uh, um, in, in his business. Um, but I, I don't want to digress. <laughs> you had asked about the entertainment. Go ahead, Booker. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I have a follow-up. You mentioned uh, that Mr. Post was going to write a book with you, and you mentioned that he hated oh, right. It Donald, didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you work. mentioned that he hated Donald Trump, and that brings me to the question. Uh, so yes. many people do have a hatred to Donald Trump. Where do you see that coming from? Okay, this is an interesting and very important question. Let me just say that that book never came to fruition, due to the 3,000 miles between us. He, he was in Washington, and I'm here in LA, and, and, and illness. So a number of things prevented it. However, I wrote one or two chapters. I was going to put them in a drawer, and then I thought, I really like this first chapter on Citizen uh, uh, Trump. It's about the film Citizen Kane, mm -hmm. his favorite film. And I figured, my kids, after I die, they're going to empty out dad's desk. They're going to look in the drawer and say, why didn't he ever do anything with this chapter? This is a great chapter. I felt, at least in my mind, it was. <laughs> so I continued, with, I continued with the book. Now, the interesting thing is, whenever I would discuss Trump with, with this gentleman, uh, actually, he was professor, he was chair of a department there in Georgetown, he... He never took it seriously that I really believed in Trump. He always thought it was with tongue in cheek, right to the very end. It was truly astounding to me. But what it demonstrated was he was a well-educated, sophisticated individual, totally in tune with politics. You live in Washington, that's all you hear about. Um, yet this guy had a very warped, um, unreal idea about Trump. Now, partly this comes from the media. The media 
hates Trump. By media, I mean here the mass media. And to show you how different this is, before he ever went into politics, he was the darling of the New York newspaper. The darling. People would walk down the street on Fifth Avenue. They'd come up to Trump. They'd want to touch his coat. They want to touch his sleeve. It was thought of as good luck. He was popular for everybody. There used to be a working class paper in New York called uh, The Daily News. Had great comics, particularly on Sunday. Um, (laughs) Well, hey, Dr. Roth, let me cut you off right there so we can get a break in. Uh, You're listening to the great Dr. Sheldon Roth. He wrote the book, Psychologically Sound, The Mind of Donald J. Trump. We're going to continue this fascinating conversation in just a couple of minutes. Uh, You know, a couple of weeks ago, I noticed on my front porch that there was a a couple of boxes there from UPS or FedEx. I I don't remember which one it was now, um, but they were sitting there at the front door. I took them inside. I opened them up. I I discovered the packages were candy bars, and I thought, my lucky day. Well, it turns out they were heel right, ready-to-eat metabolic health bars. I think there are four different flavors, and I've found that the chocolate cherry pomegranate is my favorite right now, but they're all really good, and they really taste like candy bars. But it's what they'll do for your health that's the most important thing. If you're concerned about your health and want to prevent bad things in the future, this Heal Right bar is perfect for you. Uh, Studies have proven these health bars lower cholesterol, blood sugar, and they're also great for weight management. You know, I started my journey to a healthier lifestyle to prevent medical issues in the future just a couple of weeks ago when those boxes were on my front porch. And and you should join me. Just go to HealRight.com. Check it out. Use the promo code OUTLOUD for a 20% discount. Take care of yourself. Heal from within at HealRight.com. Use that promo code OUTLOUD. More Truth in Minutes on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar, inflammation, and weight. These are all real-world problems that 87% of Americans are struggling with. Fight back with Heal Right. Heal Right is a bar you eat, but it's food as medicine that addresses the nutritional root cause of health issues in just eight weeks. Take action today. Visit HealRight.com outloud or americaoutloud.shop and use the code OUTLOUD for 20% off. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Since we are here on the weekend, a Friday night, I hope you have a great weekend. Don't forget, coming up Sunday morning at 10, it is Viewpoint this Sunday with Malcolm. He will have Senator Ron Johnson with him. That is at 10 a.m., and then the Encore presentation will be at 6 o'clock. I will also be a guest for Malcolm this Sunday on Viewpoint this Sunday. So please check that out at 10 o'clock. We're in the middle of a conversation with Dr. Sheldon Roth, who wrote the book, 
psychologically sound the mind of Donald Trump. Uh, Dr. Roth, I, I hated to cut you off there, uh, but we had to take <laughs> care of some business. But but I had just asked you the question, why was it that Mr. That Mr. Post didn't care for Donald Trump? And uh, in fact, it, you said he hated Donald Trump. And so I asked you the question, why is it that so many people hate Donald Trump? Okay, so what I want to emphasize here is the enormous impact that the mass media, NBC, CBS, you name it, uh, CNN, they all have this very hyper-distorted um, a shorthand for Trump, a fascist, a liar, a hypocrite, a, a, a narcissist, a whole host of psychiatric uh, uh, labels attached to him. So the vast majority of people are constantly hearing Hitler, Mussolini, over and over and over. And of course, Goebbels was right, which is, you know, you tell a lie often enough and people begin to believe it. Yeah. And to contrast that, all you have to do is go back to his experience with the media just prior to his getting into politics. He was the darling of the media. I was talking about the Daily News, which doesn't exist anymore, but did for about 100 years in New York. It was a working man's paper. And the publisher was once interviewed, why is it that you, this working class blue collar paper every single day has something about Donald Trump? And the publisher laughed. He says, you know, if I don't have something about Donald Trump in the daily news, they don't buy the paper. He said, you walk, you go into the subway and see what people are reading. They're reading the latest thing about Donald Trump. People loved him. No one thought of him as Hitler. No one thought of him as Mussolini. This was because the media uh, loved him. Uh, they called him all day long. They had open access to him. He knew everybody. Um, as a matter of fact, he would sometimes jokingly call up quotes anonymously and give them tips about Donald Trump. He would he would plant his you know his own his own material. So the media has a lot to do with polarization uh, that has occurred. And I go back to Obama. Obama's, and Obama is still involved in the Biden administration. Yeah, 100%. When you're, when you're talking about Biden's administration, you're talking about all of Obama's acolytes who surround him. Yes. So Obama said he was going to change this country fundamentally, and he certainly has done whatever he can to do that. So the media has a lot to do with um, with the way people see him. What, and what they miss completely is um, is Trump's, he, he's seen these days just as uh, the ramifications from 14 years on The Apprentice, where he was billed as a boss billionaire. Um, and, and the current world, but people often wonder, how does he appeal to working people like that? How can that happen? What they forget or what they don't know is from his earliest childhood, practically from the time they could walk, Fred Sr. would bring Donald to all his work projects. And like Donald Trump, Fred Sr. was a hands-on man. 
He looked at every screw, every nail, every board. He knew every worker's name was working on a building. And Trump learned every single trade, plastering, plumbing, electricity. He worked with his father on weekends. He he managed a a, uh, housing complex in Cincinnati, sold it at a great profit. He knew everyone who lived there. And then he worked with his father in Brooklyn and Queens until he was age 27. He knew every trade. He worked with the workers. And he picked up his father's habits of being absolutely meticulous. It's one of the difficulties he has as president. He's got his nose in everybody's business. He wants to know every single thing um, and every single detail. At the Trump organization, he signed every single check. And finally, it became overwhelming. He stopped signing the checks one year. And you know that profits went down 8% because the buck wasn't being watched the, the way the Donald would watch the buck. So he's, the meticulous nature he had that he learned from his father, he grew uh, into his own business. And while I'm at it, let me tell you uh, people, because they only see this chubby fellow with a nice, graceful golf swing, he was a fantastic athlete um, in the military school he attended. Yeah, he played baseball, he, I believe. Yeah. He was. He had offers from the Red Sox. He had offers from the Phillies. He had offers from West Point team. His father said no, and that was the end of that. But he was captain of his uh, uh, high school uh, uh, baseball team. He was first baseman, but he was equally good at football. His father sent him to Fordham, a Catholic university in New York, and he was a he was a star on the football team. And then his father said he couldn't play anymore. He didn't want his brain damaged. <laughs> well, hey, Dr. Roth, let me I, I want to stay on Donald Trump for a minute, but then I want to go to Joe Biden uh, yes, psychologically. Yes. And we just have a few minutes left. But let me come to you with this question about Donald Trump, because. The weight that he must be feeling right now from all the persecutions and the prosecutions that the Department of Justice are putting on him and attorney generals and even district attorneys in places like Fulton County, it has to weigh on a person psychologically. How do you think he's holding up through this? Magnificently. What people don't realize is that when he ran Trump management, um, excuse me, Trump organization, Trump management was his father's uh, business. Um, the, he, he had about 25,000 employees. He started with no one. He came into Manhattan all alone. That organization was always being sued, always being threatened. Roy Cohen, one of the most infinite you know, uh, lawyers uh, of the 20th century, um, w- was his lawyer. They sued everybody. The real estate of business in New York is like a war zone, and you have to have nerves of steel um, uh, to, to exist in it. So he has that capacity to be guided by the principles of Norman Vincent Peale. He only sees a problem as as this containing the seeds of the solution. So whatever the problem is, he looks into it. And what can solve this problem and lead us beyond it? This is how he built his business. 
this is how he deals in life. So he has organized the entire legal team so that he is geared for survival, provided he wins the election. Um, but th that that is what he's banking on. Uh, and uh, I, I myself feel it. he has a, certainly has a good chance. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's holding up extremely well. And if you watch him, re-watch re it, the interview with Laura Ingram or with Hannity or any of his um, uh, speech escapades, if you did not know he had 94 indictments or so about him, you'd never know it was there. You'd never know it was yeah, there. And, and both of those interviews were, or at least one of them, I believe, was after he <laughs> was told he had to pay $400 million in a civil lawsuit. I, exactly. I, I would have been, you would never see me again if I was, if they were told me that I promise well, you that yeah, yeah, earlier, earlier in this hour, I was comparing and contrasting Joe Biden and Donald Trump at the border. They were just there on Thursday. So if you look at Joe Biden psychologically, let's look at that melon head. Uh, what do you, what do you think he's got going on in there besides a whole lot of nothing? Um, well, if he has a whole lot of nothing, he doesn't have too much, <laughs> too much room for anything else. <laughs> um, Biden is a puppet. Biden is Biden. Biden can't find his way off the stage. How do you think he could possibly organize foreign policy um, or, or national issues? Um, he he reads from the prompter. He does what he's told, and as long as he follows. Those orders, everyone calls him Mr. President. He flies on a plane and he's very happy. Yeah. He's oblivious. He's oblivious to what's going on outside. For three years, he's told us that the border is totally secure. Last week, he suddenly found out, oh my God, we have people coming across the border. How did that happen? Yeah. You know, it must be the Republicans' fault. God knows what they would do without Trump because they can blame him for anything. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't feel that Biden is the kind of president we are usually uh, uh, involved with. Uh, we have a man who is who is guided by the same forces that surrounded the cast is the same as the forces that surrounded Obama. Um, and wherever Biden has. Uh, his finger into the pie, he's made a mess of things. Afghanistan, as I say it to you, my, my stomach knots up with what happened to loyal Afghanis uh, and loyal Americans in Afghanistan and the 13 deaths. There was no war for four years with Trump. We had endless wars. Putin's talking about nuclear weapons, none of that. You remember, everyone said if Trump was elected, We'd be in a war. Sure. Well, we were in no wars. We got out of wars. Uh, and with, with Biden, you have a completely a different uh, point of view. Uh, they are out to degrade America's power globally and to turn it over to the UN or to some world order globalism. Um, what we're seeing now in America, we've seen it before. America swings between a nationalism um, Andrew Jackson really was was a pin or a globalism. 
which is what we saw we saw with Obama. It swings back and forth between those two things. Washington himself was George Washington was not a globalist. Um, he was a nationalist, uh, and it's been a constant strain in our nation as to whether to let the world in or keep ourselves separate or find some compromise um, in between. I don't know if I'm answering your question about <laughs> Biden. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, you know, Dr. Roth, it, I look at him and I'm no medical doctor like you are, but I, I know what my eyes see. I know what I hear. And obviously the guy is, I mean, he has dementia. You know, that, that's what's going on with him, in my view, having had family members that have suffered from that. But as a medical doctor and you look at him, do you ever wonder yourself, why hasn't the 25th Amendment been used? Why are the people around him still having him in charge? And well, be, because uh, I, from a medical standpoint, is, yeah. is, you know, what's in his head right now? Is there anything left? Well, what one reason he hasn't been changed is because the powers around him don't get along with Kamala Harris and they're terrified of her, that she's a very loose cannon. That's one, one thing. The other thing is he's a puppet getting it done. Obama's still living there in Washington. All of the presidents left the, the, the Capitol after their time there. Bush went back, you know, to Texas. The elder Bush went back to Maine. Truman went back to Missouri. It, Nixon went to New York. No one hangs around Washington. <laughs> Obama's the only one who hangs around Washington. Biden is a very convenient puppet. I agree. Very I agree. And Dr. Roth, we have to bring this to a close. I want to thank you so much. You're listening to Dr. Sheldon Roth. Thank you for making the time to come visit with us. Well, thank you for making the opportunity, Booker. It's been very lovely. Thank you. I wish we had about two hours tonight because I could keep listening to Dr. Sheldon Roth. Coming up next, it is Unleashed, the political news hour. Don't forget, you were told 2,000 years ago that you are the salt of the earth, and salt without flavor, it has no value. So keep being salty. Have a great weekend. There is only one truth. You've been listening to The Truth Be Told with Booker Scott on America Out Loud. <laughs>